Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. What motivates you when the rewards seem far off? What drives you to keep pushing when you're tired and worn out? It's not likely the pay or some big reward at the end. It's your own intrinsic motivation. In this episode, we're discussing that intrinsic motivation. We're going to look at the basic psychological needs involved in motivation and how you can develop them in yourself and in your team. But before we get started, Will, what's been motivating you this week? I don't know about motivating me. I replaced my network. Fun! Yeah, so instead of the unmanaged switch, I got a managed switch that understands VLANs. I got a uh, Orbi 6 Wi-Fi Pro, like a business class, you know, wireless uh, with the mesh network so I can extend it. I've got all my VLAN stuff set up. I've got things mostly communicating and working. I think I've got like a printer and maybe a laptop somewhere that I've got to actually in a tablet that I've got to get on that. But yeah, so I've got I got four separate VLANs. It's all you know split out so that traffic from the rest of the people in the house can't break my stuff and traffic from guests can't break their stuff or my stuff. And IoT is trusted by nobody. Completely isolated. They can't talk to each other because that's... Unfortunately, that's the world we're in. You know, the S and IoT stands for security. So yeah, I got all all that set up, and then I have, I don't know, I, I've got, I've probably got like another twenty tasks as far as the actual network, and then I've got like thirty something Docker related things. I've you know I've got, uh, I've got to set up like Mac VLANs on the Docker, and then start splitting out stuff. So some stuff goes to the house network, and some stuff, most stuff goes to just me you know, internal, some set up a build server and I've got Portainer and I want to get it where GitHub can call into here and, and all that. So I've got a lot of crap to do, but I have all the toys I need to do it except for a few network cables that I ordered and they're still not here, which is, I've got like, I've got a network cable like going across, like from the computer in there up to the, up to the uh, switch. And it's like extremely tight. Like it, I mean, it's, it's like it would clothesline you if you could run through there. It's just kind of hang. It's like hanging at neck height. I'm really not happy about that, <laughs> but I'm, I'm waiting on a 15 foot cable to come in. So yeah, here we sit. I mean, you you do what you got to do, man. I, I get that. It's mildly frustrating. I'm assuming you ordered it on Amazon. Uh, no, these were new egg. Uh, oh. I got a uh, the other stuff I got from Amazon uh, because I can use my credit card points there. So yeah, like the credit card points paid for the the Orbi system. And then I had to pay you know, like another 300 and something for the managed switch. I gotta say, I've been disappointed with Amazon lately. Not, not all the time. I can't find stuff or it's junk when it gets here. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've got, I've got that going on or like I have a lot of subscribe and save stuff. So it's like just comes every month. And the, the issue I had was, Hey, I am relying on certain things and there was a problem with one part of the order. So they just canceled the whole thing and didn't go, Oh, Hey, we can send you the rest of it. No, we just canceled the whole thing and didn't tell you about it until I went on there and looked and it said it was canceled because something happened. Like I've been waiting on this for three days because it's late from like when it's a regularly scheduled to come in. I was like, 
something's something's slacking here, guys. You you need it. You used to be the best. Yeah, well, and it's the same thing with Google, right? Like Google search is terrible now compared to what it was, you know, five years ago. I mean, there's like this whole theory of that that the internet is shrinking. Maybe I, I think it's the lack of competition. You know, it's like it's a conspiracy theory, but yeah. And bureaucracy. It makes uh, like those things make things stupid. Oh, that's true. That's true. I did read recently that there's a, I think a Chinese company that's coming in to the US that uh, is going to actually like put up a challenge for Amazon. So maybe. I uh, wonder who that is. There's uh you know, cause there's the one that you can order all kinds, all kinds of stuff from. And I can't, the name escaped. It wasn't me. Wish. It was, um I don't remember. It was, I read it in the TLDR email. Yeah. They use it for like drop shipping or whatever. Yeah. No, but this was, this was like supposed to be like a legit, competition for amazon and i'm like that's good competition is good that's like how capitalism works is competition well, it, it makes stupid have a cost on the the people that are being stupid versus the people that have to purchase the stupid that, that's essentially all it is it's 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 like it has the same function as death in evolution so speaking of things that need to be drop shipped uh you have some news drop shipped i don't know how that has to do with anything but um it, it would have been awesome if it had been. Well, I mean, I did have to get it delivered to me because I rode my bike up there to uh, to purchase it. And so, um, but uh, the hunt is over, guys. I got a truck. It's a 2022 Chevrolet Colorado Blue extended cab, which is exactly what I wanted. With a backup camera, though, like, Back the last time I bought a truck, that was a really nice extra feature. Now, apparently, it's standard in every truck. But uh, yeah, I'm going to post some pics on Instagram before this episode comes out for you guys to to check it out if you're interested and you follow us on on Instagram. But yeah, very, very happy with it. You know, it's, uh, it's a good truck. I went with a new one because the used ones are about the same price or more expensive. Uh, and I could get a new one that was very baseline. Like I said, all I wanted was extended cab and backup camera. It doesn't even have like the hookup for like a tow hitch and everything. Um, I'm going to add that myself. I've already got it scheduled for um, for putting in a, a spray in bed liner. So there's there's several things I want to do to the truck. But the reason I wanted to go with like the very baseline is because it's customizable. Like it doesn't have running boards. I've, I want running boards on the truck, but it doesn't have it. So I get to pick what I want. I don't have to just do whatever they had on it already. So like I get to put what I want on the truck. So that's really cool. Uh, it does have some neat features. It has Wi-Fi. At first I was like, why in the world would I want Wi-Fi in my truck? I- I've got, you know, an unlimited data plan on my phone. What's the big deal? And then I was reading up on it. It was like up to seven devices and it showed like kids in the back seat. Of course, nobody wants to sit in my back seat. It's tiny. It's an extended cab. It's not, there are seats there. I can fit in those seats. Not like, Comfortably, but I can fit. Well, you're not, yeah. <laughs> you don't weigh much more than a child now. Fair enough, fair enough. But, you know, it's it's more for like my dog and for traveling and stuff, a place to put luggage and things. But uh, still, yeah, I, I'm really happy with it. Been driving it around. I already put about 600 miles on it. I bought it Saturday. Because I did have to, I bought it, I went up to uh, Crossville, which is a beautiful ride, by the way. About an hour and a half away. Two hours if you take back roads, because I don't like taking my bike on the interstate. And yeah, so I took the back roads, took up up 96 and then 70. They widened 70. And it's been widened for a while, but still, it's a little bit different. It's actually a little bit safer riding on it now. 
but yeah. So anyway, it was a beautiful ride through the mountains up there. Got the bike. They had to deliver it. Unfortunately, they only had one driver. So he drove the truck down. I rode my bike and then I had to drive him back to the dealership in Crossville, which wasn't a bad thing. He was actually kind of fun. Like is like this older guy. I think he was in his early seventies and dude lived a life. We talked the whole way back. Of course, you know me, I'm a talker, but so is he. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't feel like that's a surprise. Like, he talked more than I did and it, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed listening to his stories and stuff. And so it was great. And then the, the ride back was just, it was just nice. Just me in the truck getting to getting to know it though the they have a Chevrolet has an app and when you you're registering on there you have to it asks you for a nickname for the vehicle and I was like driven it enough to have a nickname like I'm sitting in the dealership like while they're processing stuff and like they like fill this out and so I'm like going through it like I I I need to drive it more and so like the the sales guy he's like he's laughing he's telling one of the other guys he's like yeah he said he needs to drive her more to, to really get a feel for the name. And I was like, her, Jane's a girl's name. And for all the Firefly fans, you guys understand what I'm saying. So yes, I named my truck Jane after Jane Cobb because Jane's a girl's name. <laughs> Whatever works, man. <laughs> it's actually not the nerdiest thing I've ever named a car, but you know. As I say, it's not the nerdiest thing you've done this week, probably. No, I, I it's, am. It's still early. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's only <laughs> yeah, I guess I better, yeah, re, yeah, think that. yeah. So, anyway, um, if you guys hear me talking about me and Jane, that's what I'm talking about. Me and my truck, my blue truck. I, I, that blue is so gorgeous, man. It is awesome. Like I said, I'll post to pics on, on Instagram. You guys can see it is, it is awesome. So, saving money is hard, especially when you've got a new truck and you've named it. Something cool. Thank you for saying that was cool. I, I like. Well, that. I don't know that it's cool. I just couldn't. <laughs> got to run with what you got. That works. That works. Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us here, at Complete Developer Podcast, his focus is on helping you to not only establish a real plan, uh, but to also take action so that you can live your best life. In other words. Be at the point where you can buy a truck when you need a truck. And guys, investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. With the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making those better financial decisions over and over will easily pay for itself. Speaking of paying for it, Level Up has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. So it's not too early to start right now. Right. And best of all, Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. What that means is he's not here to sell you a product, but instead his aim is to guide you to a better financial situation. And speaking of guidance, you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you probably face or will face. And he also interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. And you can find even more useful information over at levelupfinancialplanning.com. People can be motivated externally through money, grades, even likes on social media. Extrinsic motivation is doing something because the reward comes from outside of yourself. Whereas intrinsic motivation is 
a behavior or performing a task because it is personally or internally rewarding. Extrinsic motivation is behaving in a certain way to receive a reward or avoid a punishment. And intrinsic motivation is behaving in a certain way for its own internal rewards. Self-determination theory is a meta-theory about human motivation focusing on innate growth tendencies and psychological needs. It started with research comparing intrinsic and extrinsic motivation way back in the 1970s, where I'm from, but wasn't formalized until the 80s, where I'm from, (laughs) when Edward L. Desi and Richard Ryan wrote a book called Self-Determination and Intrinsic Motivation in Human Behavior. Self-determination theory challenged the leading idea that the only way to motivate people was through extrinsic rewards. While people can be motivated extrinsically, Desi and Ryan found that motivation did not last very long beyond that reward. Instead, they found that people tended to remain motivated when certain psychological needs were met. Now, through their research, they determined three basic psychological needs that lead to that intrinsic motivation. These needs underlie growth and development as a human. Their competence, relatedness, and autonomy. When met and supported, the research shows that people are more persistent and consistent in their behavior and the motivations behind those behaviors. In this episode, we're going to dive into the three psychological needs from a self-determination theory. For each one, we will start by defining it and providing examples to better understand the need. Then we will discuss various ways that you can develop this need in yourself and in your team. Throughout, we will be talking about feeling or sensing because these needs have to do with perception more than objective reality. Also, it has to do with your perception of yourself and how you interact with the world and not how others perceive you. Yeah, so it's, it's more of an internal thing, hence intrinsic motivation. So the first one we're going to talk about is competence. And the way that, uh, the way that I broke down this is we're going to first talk about understanding competence and then developing it. So understanding what, what is competence? What do we mean by the psychological need competence? It's the experience of mastering a task or skill, the ability to be effective in what you do. Yeah. So, you know, that, that sounds nice and all, but right. Like you got to break this down just a little bit more. And, you know, what you're doing there is, you know, mastery is the applying a set of related knowledge, skills, and abilities required to successfully perform critical functions or tasks in a specific setting. Yeah. So it's, so. it's not just like effectiveness, you know, because people say they're effective and you're like, okay, what does that actually mean to you? Yeah, exactly. Because what's effective to me may not be effective to you. What's affecting me may not be affecting you. I don't know. I'm making that up. But yeah, it's really competence is when you can take the things that you know, the things that you understand, take the, that knowledge, that skill set that you have and apply them in specific settings. So as developers, we know one or more languages. Most of us know multiple. And it's taking that, that knowledge and then going out and being able to apply that at work or even you know building stuff for fun, but being creative with that that is what competence is. Yeah, and it's it's almost, you know, it does say in a specific setting, but understand that the specificity of that setting is not something set by you, right? Like it's, I encountered this situation and I handled it. That's competence. So when we seek competence, we're looking to control the outcome of what we're doing. 
we're we're basically seeking that experience of mastery of a skill. A lot of times we'll we will put in that effort and that learning to gain that mastery. I, I remember, I know I have a different example listed here, but um, I remember when I was learning to code. You know, I started listening to .NET Rocks, and I even wrote a blog post about it, uh, talking about how it didn't make sense at first, and I wanted to master .NET, so I was spending a lot of time learning as much as I could. And slowly over time, I think I compared it to um, the Thirteenth Warrior and how they showed him learning the language. the language. Yeah, it that's sort of what I went through because I would start to pick up a few words here and there, and then a few phrases, and then things started making sense. And now I listen to the show, and it's like, oh yeah, all of that makes perfect sense to me. And I wish they'd go into this other thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and I've had the same thing, you know, with with learning programming languages. I've also had the same thing learning Russian, you know, like being able to, you know, being in a grocery store and understanding, you know, like somebody's talking and they don't realize that you speak their language and and just overhearing stuff. Oh, yeah. Like that is, you know, and, and being able to go, okay, I, I know what's going on. And it's it's really funny when they're like, oh, I need this. And you just like grab it and hand it to them. And go right back to what you're doing, and they start talking at you, <laughs> but your speech isn't quite your speech. Your, your speech is not leveled up that much. I, I get that. That was like when I was in Albania, and one of our translators looked at me because uh, she couldn't think of the English word for something, and I just knew by context what she was saying. So I, I told her, and then a little bit later, she comes up and just starts rattling off in Albanian, and I'm like, oh, "Yeah, kill the motor lady," <laughs> you know. It's like, I am learning. I'm not there yeah. yet. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you knew more. I was like, I, I'm very much learning. It's like, you know, I, I got what you meant by context. And, you know, I kind of knew that word. I was like, but my my skill set for conversation is not there yet. Yeah. And, and think how good you'll feel when it is, right? Or when it's better, you know, just, I mean, it doesn't take much of a step up. No, it really doesn't. Uh, it, it doesn't. So speaking of that step up, let's uh, let's go ahead and dive into developing competence. So if you're going to increase competence or get that feeling of mastery, you know, you're going to want specific goals, you know, either for yourself or you know, if you're giving this to another person. And those goals need to be challenging, but not overwhelming. You, you basically want to optimize the level of challenge and the opportunity therein. You, you want to give them a chance to shine and it doesn't need to be too easy because then it doesn't feel like they accomplish something or you accomplish right. So like something. talking to your teacher in your Albanian class on the stuff that you just studied for two days, like that, that's pretty easy. But then you talk to that lady yeah, and you, you're, you're in a much more challenging situation and you're okay. And then, you know, that felt pretty good. But when she came at you and just peppered you with the thing, it felt yeah. good that she thought you knew that, but she didn't feel good because she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that was, that was a, an example of like, a little bit of an overwhelming challenge was right. was that it, well, and you were in the you know the Goldilocks zone was that conversation you had with her that you mm-hmm. understood, yeah, and so it's like you you kind of want to stay there and and to grow, you want to push that, but you don't want to push it much. It's like I mean I, I don't want to I hate to to make use this example, but it's like going to the gym and lifting weights. You don't go exactly and, like that, yeah. You, you don't go and max out every time. You go and you find where you can. All right, yeah, I can do you know, three or four sets, 10 reps each. And then you push it just a little. 
It's like, yeah, I'm struggling to get this, but I'm going to get it. And when you, that becomes easy, then you push it just a little. That's how you grow. And that's, that's how you grow in your, your competence here too, is by just slowly increasing the difficulty. Well, and it also avoids the damage of mistakes. That's yeah. the other, the other side of it is like your, your capability to make a mistake is not greater than your ability to withstand the mistake. If you do this. Right. Next, build up and encourage sort of a sense of initiation. You know, competence doesn't come from being told what to do. Instead, it comes from seeking to do, to build, to create. We grow confident and competent when we seek to improve our skills, not because we have to, but because we have a purpose. We have a reason to. Well, I mean, that fits in with like early when you were programming and that dadgum calculator application <laughs> that you just kept adding to, you know, like that was the thing that was motivating adding, you. It's yeah. like, yeah, you were literally adding on it to it. But, you know, you kept adding, you kept adding to it because you did have a goal in mind. And that, that helped more than, you know, exercises out of a book because you could go, okay, I need to do this. Now, how do I do that? And so you didn't just learn, okay, here's the, here's the steps, but you also learned how to look it up. Learn how to evaluate options. You know, like you got all this, you get these constellation of other things around it that that's so useful when you do that. Plus, you keep the motivation because it's not you know some dork who wrote a programming book telling you how to approach something. It's some dork sitting in this office right now telling you how to fix it once you broke it, which is a totally different situation. Uh, that that is, I mean, and, and it's it's a difference between that intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Like because I had that drive then as I would succeed at that, that would build that confidence and that competence. And then I knew, hey, I know how to do this. I can go build something like this. Research shows that giving unexpected positive feedback increases a person's intrinsic motivation, whereas negative feedback decreases intrinsic motivation. Except for Will. Yeah, well, like... (laughs) I don't know. Like, I kind of almost have like an inner drill sergeant thing going on there. It's it is negative feedback, negative sounding as far as the self-talk, but it's more like I know I'm trying to enrage myself a little bit. And so it's, you know, it's a drill ser- sergeant versus enemy fire. Yeah. yeah. Kind of uh, thought process where like that will motivate me. It's like, oh man, that's, yeah, that felt stupid. Don't, you know, let's not do that again. But yeah, even like, but like the, you know, unexpected, unexpected positive motivation also throws me a little bit because I don't expect it. I get weirded out when I can't predict things in general. Yeah, you do. But on average, this is the way that this works for most people. The thing is, constant berating is not going to build competence, whether in others or in yourself. You really do have to watch your self-talk here so that you don't undermine what you've been doing for yourself. That said, we do need to know when we're going down the wrong path. And so it is. it is good to have those people who will will guide you and like, like will be like, all right, dude. Yeah. Uh, that calculator else, text editor. Yeah. Anything but a calculator. You, you got, you got to, you, you got to learn some other skills. And that's the thing I, I had kind of boxed myself in with that. And at, at the time it was really good, but then it, by staying there, I was boxing myself in and I needed that. Hey, you need to move on. You need to work on something different. Well, and and berating is also another interesting word here, right? Because it's not, hey, you're bad, right? Like that doesn't help. But if you go, hey, you're better than this, right? Like 
it's kind of the turd sandwich, you know, the praise, correct praise thing that they, you know, they teach you like early in management. And then it's like, oh, that doesn't like people all see through that. So don't do it quite that way. So you just got to, the self-talk thing is something you got to be really careful about and how you structure that. Because you can be motivating with negative feedback as long as it's negative feedback to control, not negative feedback to cut back. You know, on the same note, constant praise doesn't help either. Uh, It completely devalues any real praise that you give to yourself or to other people. I don't have that problem. So I don't, I don't know what that feels like. See, that's, that's where I, where I fall is it's very easy for me to get into just praising and constantly saying what you're doing good. Yeah. Without really diving into or like hiding correction in praise. And so, because it works on me, you you tell me you did a good job on this. I'm going to work twice as hard on that same thing next time. Because that that's what motivates me. And, and tell you enough and your head will get so big you can't come through the door. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. No. Whereas the negative one will do that to me. Yeah. In the same the same direction. But so the the next of these needs is relatedness. And we're gonna do the same thing here. We're gonna talk about what is relatedness and then how to develop it in yourself and others. Yeah. So relatedness is the need to feel connected to others and to what you're doing. Uh, it's a sense of belonging when working or doing a thing with other people. Yeah. It's being part of something bigger, being part of a group. It's, it's being being a member of a tribe, basically. I know we talked about that in a little bit on, on this description too. This desire to feel like we belong has to do with the social nature of us as humans. You know, We want to feel accepted in a group. We are tribal creatures and our motivation is influenced by our connection to that tribe. Right. And, I've heard us say that many times. Yeah, and, and how important it is to make sure you've got a tribe around you. I mean, I can tell you that the worst parts of my life, I didn't feel like I had one. Yeah. But when you seek relatedness, you know, you're looking to connect with others and experience a sense of caring for those people and of being cared for by those people. Both those things have to be there. Well, I mean, just a, a brief example, like I'm sure Will, we've known each other for a very long time. He can tell you the the group that I am in now down here um, in, in Murfreesboro, like it are definitely more positive and helpful than the people we were around in college in a lot of cases. That's that's true. And like you can see the changes, physically see the changes too. But I mean, like there's a whole lot less of beach. Yeah. But yeah, like and that's plus or minus a backstreet boy. Basically, yeah. But uh yeah, I mean it's it's like you can tell when you're around, when you have that kind of a tribe, because it does, it affects you, it changes you. And you can tell when you're not around that. Yeah. Cause then you're negative and, you know, just like the lack of connection, you know, you and I were having a conversation about some of this stuff before we got on the podcast and just a situation where you feel like you don't fit. It is really hard to get in the groove and get anything done. You know, any, any kind of motivation, even just like the motivation, just for you know, like basic hygiene, honestly. I feel like there's a lot of people out there that probably, you know, that's what's wrong with them now. Yeah. Actually, I don't feel like it. I know it because I've been around enough of them. But mm-hmm. So according to Wikipedia, which is where I got some of this material, the original book research done by Desi and Ryan claim, or Decky and I don't know. I did not look up how to pronounce that name claims that there are three pieces to relatedness. They like the number three. The first one is that humans are inherently proactive with their potential and mastery of their inner forces, such as like drives and and emotions. 
Like we we are very proactive when it comes to mastering these things. Yeah, we also have an inherent tendency towards growth development and integrated functioning. Because if we didn't, we wouldn't be you know having a podcast right now. We'd be going after you know animals with pointy sticks. Mm-hmm. And the third one is that optimal development and actions are inherent in humans, but they don't happen automatically. This is not something that just happens. It's something you do have to work for. Um, and a, a lot of people... Will and I have talked about this in, in other episodes too. A lot of people, they talk about wanting, like they've got the the desire to master things. And that's all they'll ever have because they won't do the work. Yeah, that's the thing. They they want the desire to master it. They want to read all the self-help books. They want to read all like the blogs about learning to code, but never actually take it beyond Hello World. Right, in 12 different languages. Yeah, and that's the thing. It... it this this doesn't happen automatically. You do have to put in the work. You, just because you have that desire doesn't mean that you you don't have to put in the work. And that's the same thing with relatedness. Just because you want to be around people and you have that desire to be around people doesn't mean it's going to automatically happen. Oh, hey, I like people. I want to be around people. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Like to have friends, you have to be a friend. It's a really cheesy saying, but it's so true. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, like you got to bring something to the table to go to the table. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's life's potluck. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about developing relatedness because, I, you know, I feel like that's probably something that maybe gets missed a little bit. You know, if, if you nurture social interactions and feelings of connectedness and feelings of belonging, it will help promote the actualization of inherent potential, which leads to stronger intrinsic motivation. In other words, you're part of something else and now you can actually do something with that. Yeah. When we connect with a group, with a tribe, with others, with a family, what that does is it that connection, it opens up our potential and it opens up our ability to motivate ourselves because we we have that. It's weird how that works, but just having that connection it's not, oh, I'm doing this for my family. Oh, I'm doing this for, for my group, my friends. It's no, I'm doing this for me because I enjoy this. I enjoy the, re- the internal rewards for it. But I, those internal rewards are opened up because I have that connection. People at, at their jobs, they tend to be more motivated when they feel like their voice is heard, when they feel like they are part of a team. They want to work harder when... It not because, oh, hey, I want to do this for the team. They want to do it for themselves. They want to grow themselves. But it that is stronger when they are connected to a team. Right. Cause they actually realize the value. I mean, that it makes it it makes it where you can see the thing you're creating. You know, is is a lot of it. So you also want to support relatedness by being involved and showing interest, especially if you're working with a team like showing interest in the things that interest the person or the other people. If you're, if you're looking to relate to people, then showing interest in the things that they, they are interested in. For example, if you're at work, ask about their activities outside of work. I mean, obviously without being nosy. Right. Well, I mean, but you'll see stuff, right? Like, yeah. I mean, if you're on a team call, you can see things in the background that you can talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you can like, make, you know, you can, a lot of times you can just make a joke and there, there'll be one person that will really, really lose it over a joke. And then you're like, okay, there's there's a reason they really 
lost it. So I, I know there's an interest there. That's something to explore. Yeah. Like if you, if you look at like me on a team's call, you see many musical instruments and lots of books in the background. So you can immediately think that, you know, Hey, this guy's into music and reading. If you look at Will on a team's call, you can tell that he's really into whiteboards. Cause that's all you see in the background. <laughs> yeah. With that incorrect <laughs> network diagram that I still need to erase. <clears throat> Sorry, I, I had to pick yeah. up for just like nothing in the background there. Yeah, I, I kind of I do a little bit. Of, it's it's a little Spartan in here, honestly. Mm-hmm. So there was a study of adolescents that found that connection to others predisposed them to either promote healthy psychological functioning or undermine their development gro- developmental growth. Basically, those who were more connected had healthier responses. Um, and I can definitely validate this from being largely disconnected from other people in high school. Because mentally, I was not in a very healthy place, you know, when I got to college, you know, and that was from being chronically ill and like being isolated from other people uh, to a large extent because of that. Like you don't, you don't fit and you're, you're kind of, you're trying to navigate. And the fact is, is you're not sure you want to. Mm-hmm. See, I had the, a different, because high school was great for me, but elementary and junior high were horrible. I didn't fit. Yeah. And I, I say I escaped, I escaped. And made it to public school. And then I had friends. I had perfect attendance for the first time in my life the first year I was in public school. Because I didn't want to miss school. Right. My grades went up. Because I cared. I wanted to do well. Not because I had... Not because of... I want to impress my friends. It was... I had friends, so I cared about myself more. Right. Because other people did. Yeah. And they, they'd be disappointed in you if you failed. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Empathy is the ability to understand a person's situation from where they are. It's putting yourself in their shoes. I'm sure most of us have heard that phrase before. The thing about it is you don't have to fully understand everything about them or even agree with their responses to empathize with their situation. To be able to look at it and go, all right, that is not the way I would have handled that situation. Obviously, you don't say that to them, but you know, internally, you're like, well, well, maybe not I mean, the way I would have handled it, but I understand where they're coming from. I see well, why. Well, sometimes it's worthwhile, too, to go, hey, I, I wouldn't have done it that way, but I'm curious, why Why did you? Mm-hmm. Like, can, because like, it's, you know, I, I don't, I feel like I don't have my head around the whole situation. Yeah. You know, that's useful and it will help build empathy in the other direction, too. That's true. And that shows that interest, too. See, it all ties in together here. Yeah, it, it really does. It's all one piece. If you want to motivate somebody in this area, you know, to show them that they're important, you, you want to show them that they're important, you know, that they do have a team or a tribe that they're part of, uh, show them that they're wanted on the team and that their contributions help the team as a whole. You know, even if they're vastly different from you, you'd be surprised how far this goes. In the past, I, I have worked on teams it was before I was in, uh, in development, but uh, where we had one or two members who had had a really bad experience on previous teams. And they just felt like I'm not really a part of this or anything like that. And um, I, I'm an empath, so I, you know, pick up on those sorts of things. And it's like, oh no, you are a member of this team, and we are going to like bring you in. And so, like, asking specifically, hey, what do you think about this? That is a is a really big thing, um, and it makes people feel involved. It's nice if it comes from like the person who's leading the team. But I'll be honest with you, it's it better makes, if it doesn't. 
Yeah, it makes so much more impact if it just comes from another member who's like, hey, what what do you think? Because that shows that really shows, hey, you're we're thinking about you. So you are a member of this team. So you again, you don't have to be in leadership to do that. All right, guys, the final one we're going to talk about is autonomy. And again, we're going to talk about what it is and then how to develop it. So autonomy is the sense of having choice and control over your behavior. Sort of the opposite of feeling controlled or compelled to do something. This is when, hey, you know, I have the ability to make decisions. Uh, I know in the the talk I give on uh, on leading by influence, this is one of the questions I ask is like, hey, you know, how autonomous do you feel? Like how how in control of your daily life do you feel? Do you feel like, hey, I can I make all the decisions? Or I just wait to be told what to do. Most people fall somewhere in in between that, where it's like, you know, I make I make a good amount of decisions, but also I refer to a higher authority on certain things. Yeah, I mean, in general, like you always refer to a higher authority unless you got nukes, and then you pretend to. <laughs> you know, everybody has a desire to have control over their own life and to be able to follow their own will. That's why you have your own life and your own will. When somebody is autonomous, performance and engagement increases as opposed to being told what to do, which does not do that, right? People will do what you tell them and then they just stop. Yeah. They're, they're not going to go go that extra bit. They're not going to be motivated to keep working after what is expected is done. They will do just enough to get by when they don't have that autonomy. Which kind of tells you about the whole quiet quitting thing that they're going on about right now, but whatever. Now, autonomy does not contradict relatedness. This is something that, that kind of came up when I was reading about this. Like, It's not being independent of others. That's not what we're talking about with autonomy. Instead, it's having a sense of that freedom of will, of that ability to function and work with others and make your own decisions. It's also to have a say in the decisions that are being made. Sometimes you're working on a team and your idea doesn't get, get picked up or you know, you, you have a discussion and whoever's in charge goes, hey, you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to go this way. Uh, I've had to do that as, as a team lead where we were discussing, yeah, we were discussing how are we going to do this? And there were several really good ideas, but I had to pick one and go with it. And yeah, the other people, they didn't get their idea, but that doesn't mean they weren't heard. They didn't, they felt autonomous because they had a say in it. They had the opportunity to defend it and to say, here's, here's what it is. And then as a group, we're like, hey, this is probably the better option to go. And it was kind of funny because the the person with the strongest uh, like other one was like, yeah, you know what? That might be the better better path for our team. Yeah. So now let's talk about developing autonomy. I feel like you took my autonomy away. Um, <laughs> telling me to do that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, supporting Autonomy begins with not trying to control or pressure the person to behave or act in a certain way. It also means not telling them how to do the task they're doing unless it's absolutely necessary. So, you know, this is a, um, it's kind of like one of those management through chaos type things, right? Like you go, okay, there's going to be stuff I can't control and I'm going to accept that so that I can actually control the situation versus, you know, trying to control everything and then completely lose control of the situation. It's kind of, that's the way I look at it. Like you've only, you've only, it's like you have so many coins that you put in the slot for control and there's so many things you can control. And if you put it in the wrong one, something goes out of control. Right. And 
where I'm working now, our product owner is very adamant about not putting implementation details into the acceptance criteria. But what she'll, she will do is when we're doing like a refinement or something, she might put that in the discussion. Like, hey, here's a suggestion from the team, or she'll probably put who, who put the suggestion, like who mentioned it. But that doesn't go into the acceptance criteria. Because we may get in there and, hey, that implementation is not going to work. We got to do it a different way. And if it's in the AC, that really messes it up. But if it's in the discussion, it's like, oh, hey, here's the suggested way of doing it. That doesn't mean you have to do it this way. And the, the idea here is to understand the person's perspective, to help know their point of view. You may not agree with them, but just acknowledging their point of view is going to help develop autonomy and increase their own intrinsic motivation. Yeah. And, you know, along with that, you want to provide an actual rationale uh, for what you're asking them to do and allow some room for choice and how it's done. This helps to engage them in the process of what they're doing when you're, you know, when you're telling them what to do. But it also, I will also add here that it, it also is a really good check to make sure that you aren't suggesting something dumb. Yeah. You yeah. Know, because then they can go, oh, wait, you're doing it for this. Well, why don't we just do this then? And I've had I've had very, very junior developers drop that one on me. And I'm like, oh, crap. You know, that's like one line of code versus, you know, all day. Yep. I uh, I encourage a little bit of dissension on my team. You're not arguing. Encourage it. Yeah. <laughs> not, not arguing, but hey, if you've got a better idea, speak up because I'm going to listen to it. And we may go that direction. There may be things you don't know as to why we're choosing to go this other way. Uh, but it becomes a learning opportunity either for me to learn or for you to learn. And so I, I highly encourage that in my, in my teams. Our team is pirate themed. And so like rocking the boat is kind of built in. Fair enough. Fair enough. There's a lot um, of strong personalities. Let's put it that way. <laughs> named our team after uh, something from Parks and Rec. So I'm not even going to go there. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> research. Uh, all about the research on this because uh, it's based on research. Research found that offering extrinsic rewards for behavior that is intrinsically motivated destroyed the motivation behind that behavior. The behavior becomes controlled by the reward and not the motivation. Basically, if you put in that that external reward, and then as soon as that's gone, yeah, that behavior is gone. Yeah, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why like praising me for something that I do well like really bums me out because like that you know, it, it, I got there probably by intrinsic rewards just cuz that's 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 the way I tend to operate anyway. I didn't think about this when we we're talking about relatedness, but one way that I have noticed that really motivates you when you do something that is really really helpful, really useful or like the way one time was the way you wrote an outline I didn't tell you, hey, that was a great job on the outline. You should keep doing it. I said, hey, this really made my life a lot easier. You saved me hours of work. And you wrote your outlines like that until I had to say, hey, I need you to stop doing this because it doesn't make any sense <laughs> for this type of outline. But you know, it, it did. And it was that relatedness, it seemed, that yeah. caused you to, to do that. You, like, you saw, sorry, you had the autonomy. You weren't stealing my motivation. No. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of people say that they work better under a deadline. However, 
these have been shown to reduce their intrinsic motivation. Like this is through research. The, while they may work harder for a short time to meet that deadline, the motivation to keep working, especially at that pace, just isn't there. And once once you've met it, like once you've gotten gotten past that um, death march, you're not going to be motivated even to do a normal amount of work. You're going you're going to want to cut back. You're going to need to physically and mentally, but also like. Working under a crunch, it may make you work harder for a temporary time, but is not a sustainable way of motivating yourself. Right. Trust it's, me, I know. It, I've tried. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the, when I see deadlines you know, overused in work environments, not, you know, because sometimes you have them and it's just, it is what it is. But when it's overused, my thought process is okay, they don't want this to be sustainable because the developer is disposable. Right. Like it's like washing a plastic fork. Now, giving people choices, even, you know, you know, real choices, uh, even if they're smaller, also increases intrinsic motivation through autonomy. You know, and it's it's also one of those things where it's like, hey, I'm assuming that you're good enough to, to handle this. You know, I'm not like babying you. I'm going, OK, here's a rough idea of what I want. Just make it happen. You know, yeah. Or like uh, like Picard, make it so. So right. I had to throw in a Star Trek reference. I don't know why. Well, anyway. So guys, whether you are leading a team, working solo on a project, or just a cog in a bigger machine, understanding these three psychological needs will help to maintain motivation when the rewards or payoffs seem too far away to really matter. Extrinsic motivation is not inherently wrong or bad especially when it's used to develop that intrinsic motivation. Um, it's used a lot with, with children to help them develop their own intrinsic motivation. We all want to get paid for our work, but that shouldn't be the only reason we work. Use the information that we've talked about here to not only understand yourself, but understand others around you. If you experience a lack of motivation or see someone who is usually going strong, slacking, and appearing unmotivated, look for which of these three needs is not being met. You you may not have the authority or the ability to raise someone's salary, but you can motivate them through meeting these needs. That's pretty much all we got. We'll catch y'all next week. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.